lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand. Here on Blaze TV radio and podcast, I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. That is Aaron McIntyre and you are you. Hopefully you had a great weekend. We certainly did. But it's good to be back in the saddle again. And of course, it's always good to know what you think about what we think. Let us know. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can also uh, look for Steve Dace on MeWe, Parlor, and Gab if you prefer uncensored uh, social media postings. If you like censored video clips, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. That's pretty much all they do over there. If you like the uncensored ones, there's rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. <clears throat> or if you just want to make sure that you don't have to worry about any censorship and you just want to get our content directly from us, Go to blazetv.com slash dace, get a discounted subscription today, and you'll get exclusive bonus content like the overtime. Today's overtime, by the way, uh, breaking news just in the last half an hour. Apple has announced it will be reinstating the Parler app. Those of us that have been using Parler, you'll note your traffic has been uh, way down. Uh, those of you that have been trying to join, you'll note that you've not been able to. I, I think that is all about to change. So what did they give up or what changed Apple's mind? We'll get into that. And then what does it mean in the battle against big tech? We'll get into that in the overtime today, which you will get to watch as a Blaze TV subscriber at blazetv.com slash Dace, and which you can watch if you become a Blaze TV subscriber for a discount today at blazetv.com slash Dace. Coming up uh, on today's program, and at the bottom of the hour, our good friend Bob Vanderplatz will be joining us. And of course, normally, um, whether it's a Republican that lost or term limited out, uh, Bob would be knee deep in presidential politics right now. But we're not because Donald Trump rightfully has everybody in a holding pattern because it's his throne so it's up to him whether he wants to come back and defend it or not as gop standard bearer but there's a a fascinating piece over at red state talking about a recent banquet down in florida and who trump chose to sit on his right and on his left and we'll get into that and also what bob's read of the landscape is we'll get into that coming up at the bottom of the hour next hour so last week on theology thursday we laid out for you the inconvenient truth about america the second part of that conversation it's going to be a trilogy of conversations actually the second part will debut today and why post-covid there's no turning back. Now, that doesn't mean there will never be a day you'll get to take your masks off in most of America. That We're not talking about necessarily the COVID restrictions. And in a lot of America, COVID restrictions, with the exception of masks, are pretty much gone right now anyway. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is how COVID permitted the spirit of the age to completely reset the rules of cultural and political war engagement. And therefore, if those rules are changed, we must change as well. So that will be part two. There is no turning back. 
from a culture war, political warfare standpoint. We'll get into that for our town hall next hour, and then we'll let Todd and Aaron react to what I will lay out. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron with a rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Long COVID. A proposal in the state of Oregon would make its mask mandate and social distancing guidelines permanent. Michael Wood, administrator of the state's Department of Occupational Safety and Health, said the move is necessary to address a technicality in state law that requires a quote-unquote permanent rule to keep current restrictions from expiring. He says, quote, we are not out of the woods yet. The nation's chief vaccine skeptic, Dr. Anthony Fauci, tries to explain once and for all why you still got to wear your mask indefinitely. Okay, this is something that as we get more information, it's going to be pulling back that you won't have to. But the, currently the reason is that when you get vaccinated, you are clearly diminishing dramatically your risk of getting infected. That's one of the things we've got to make sure everybody understands. You dramatically diminish it. However, what happens is that you might get infected and get absolutely no symptoms, not know you're infected, and then inadvertently go into a situation with vulnerable people. And if you don't have a mask, you might inadvertently infect them. Fauci also slammed Republicans because everybody knows that's what all nonpartisan public health officials do. It's almost paradoxical that on the one hand, they want to be relieved of the restrictions, but on the other hand, they don't want to get vaccinated. It just almost doesn't make any sense. You remember the reason why college athletics couldn't come back last fall? Yeah, neither do I. Well, a new study of over 3,000 athletes who contracted the virus shows only 0.2% of the athletes in the study, or a total of five, required hospitalization for non-cardiac complications of the virus. And then there's this survey from the New York Times, which sought to gauge people's understanding of the hospitalization risk of COVID-19. The survey found, get this, nearly 70% of Democrat respondents thought the risk of being hospitalized from the disease is between 20 and 100%, with the plurality believing the risk is 50% and up. Amongst Republicans, 51% thought the risk of being hospitalized was between 20 and 100%, with 28% believing the risk was over 50%. 26% of Republicans believe correctly the hospitalization rate is 1 to 5%, two and a half times the number of Democrats. Enough madness for a bit. Here's Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on the continued masquerade. You know, if, you, if you get a vaccine, the vaccines are effective, you're immune. And so act immune. Uh, if you tell people the opposite, then gee, you know, why, if it's not effective for them and it's not going to change anything, then what's the point of going through it? Now back to Fauci. It seems his area of expertise is spreading like cancer. You've worked in public health broadly for a long time. Is gun violence in the U.S. a public health emergency? You know, uh, myself as as a public health person, I, I think you can't run away from that. I mean, when you see people getting killed, I mean, in this last month, it's just been horrifying what's happened. How can you say that's not a public health issue? Checking in on Black Lives Matter, Congresswoman Maxine Waters committed two felonies in one interview over the weekend during a visit to Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. We're looking for a guilty verdict and we're looking to see if all of the talk that took place and has been taking place after they saw what happened to George Floyd, if nothing does not happen, 
then we know uh, that we've got to not only stay in the street, but we've got to fight for justice. But I am very hopeful, and I hope uh, that we're going to get a verdict that is say guilty, guilty, guilty. And if we don't, we, got, we cannot go away. What happens if we do not go? get what you just told. What should the people do? What should protesters on the street do? We, we got to stay on the street uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they, they know that we need business. In completely unrelated news, here's a CNN interview with a rioter. Well, I've been here uh, all four nights. Uh, I'm just standing here today with uh, soup for my family and uh, we're just, you know, watching all of this unfold. It's very unfortunate. You're not planning on using that, are you? Throwing yes. it at the police? Like I said, it's for my family. Literally for your family. Yeah. For those of you listening, what we just watched was the Black Lives Matter rioter turning to the camera and winking with a can of soup, obviously meant for being used as a projectile amid the riots. And in further unrelated news, a Minnesota National Guard member and a Minneapolis police team were fired upon in a drive-by shooting Sunday morning. No team members were seriously injured, though two National Guard members suffered minor injuries. Today in journalism is magical and not at all broken, the UK Guardian used the full force of its investigative apparatus recently to uncover the names of those who donated to the defense fund of Kyle Rittenhouse, the teenager who shot multiple thugs out of self-defense during last year's Kenosha riots. The paper found, among others, a paramedic in Utah donated to Rittenhouse's defense fund. Naturally, local media showed up to this paramedic's house in order to, quote, get the paramedic's side of things. Just remember this story when you make any donation of any kind at any point in the future. And finally, it's because of the rising specter of fascism and partiality featured on this montage every day, including today, that it's time for you, yes, you, not to engage just with us, but with the outside world, as I know a number of you already do, specifically when it comes to the flat earth voodoo COVID restrictions, which is why today we're announcing a new segment on the montage called Daily Defiance, and it stars you. I want you, specifically you in our audience, the Steve Day Show audience, yes, that's you, to send me pictures, and better yet, videos of you defying these stupid COVID restrictions, and you may be featured on the montage. Anything from not wearing a mask in a store, or even better yet, getting a group of people together to defy mask mandates, or just walking around outside without a mask if you live in an area where there is still a mask mandate out. Outside. Send your pictures and videos to me either on Twitter at Dace Producer or via email show at gmail.com. That's show at gmail.com. Tell me your name and some context around what you're sending me. If you have the courage to defy, it's time to show the world. If you don't have the courage to defy, it's time for you to see what that looks like. And that's what happened while we were away. Amen. Looking forward to that. Fits right into the mission statement of this year's show the the vision for 2021 the answer is us it is time to defy it, it's past time but now it is time for us uh to shame the shamers by doing so through you give us an opportunity to show how you are shaming the shamers by defying and and let other people see that um they're not alone there's others just like them all over the country Aaron's Montage brought to you by Home Title Lock. You know, I've been warning you about home title theft. This is where cyber thieves remove you remove you from your home's title, and then they become the owner. And I said, hey, you know, maybe you better check out Home Title Lock because, well, it's coming. Well, 
if you have a Facebook account, it may be coming uh, sooner rather than later because they had a big data breach recently. Over 500 million accounts exposed to cyber thieves. Uh, according to a retired FBI cyber crime expert, that gives thieves everything they need to take over as the new owner of your home. That's the information that was leaked. Name, address, personal information. It's all out there. Thieves can then forge your signature on a quick claim deed stating you have sold your home to them, leave you with the debt, maybe even foreclosure and eviction. So you need to do what I did uh, and protect your home's title with Home Title Lock. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't yet know it. And then while you're there, sign up for 30 free days of protection during this high risk breach. 30 free days of protection. Uh, at HomeTitleLock.com, when you use the promo code RADIO, that's the promo code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. So let us get to Aaron's montage. And if you want to talk about paradoxical commentary, Lord Farquaad, I'm sorry, Fauci, here's some paradoxical commentary for you. Why aren't more people getting masked? Why aren't more people vaccinating? A, the masks don't work. B, you're telling them the vaccines don't work. That would be why. That's your message in there, brah. Inject this experimental, non-FDA approved substance into your body and not get your life back. On the same day, he did interviews with two different channels. Wondering why more people aren't getting vaccinated and saying we can't ease the restrictions until they do. And then telling the people, but if you get vaccinated, you, you can't have your restrictions eased. Well, then, as Ron DeSantis said elsewhere in Aaron's montage, what the hell is the point? Best case scenario is Fauci is not sure of the efficacy of the vaccines. That's the best case scenario here. That's a bad answer. All the other potential answers to his duplicity are worse. Anthony Fauci is a son of the devil. Period. This is one of the most public displays of malevolence from a public figure in American history. And certainly in my lifetime, in fact, I can't think of a worse one. I just know as soon as I say that, you'll send me 180 emails of somebody worse. So I'll just say, one of the worst. Especially given what's at stake. Nothing. Nothing. Not Pearl Harbor. Dude, they still made movies. You still went to the movies. Not 9-11. Nothing in modern American history. I don't know. War of 1812? When was the last time your way of life as an American was as daily threatened by something as it is by COVID Stan? And he's the shaman. He's the philosopher king. And that man is wicked. And there's a tell in the third clip. Do you think Dana Bash at CNN just on her own decided to ask, is gun violence a public health issue? 
No. All of this is coordinated. Everything within the spirit of the age is a coordinated effort. Because, see, we have shown them what our kryptonite is. We have shown them what our Achilles heel happens to be. They have been wondering, well, if we call everybody racist, will that do it? No. What about xenophobes, homophobes? No. That won't do it for everybody. There'll be holdouts to that. People who just don't give a rip what name you call them, they're going to do what they think is right. What could we do? Because we don't want to just completely start goose-stepping. Because you all own guns, so we don't want to do that. Well, we want to do that, actually, really badly, but we know we can't, because you all own guns. So, how do we keep this frog boiling in the water longer? And long enough that it's just now cooked, and it doesn't matter what guns you have anyway, you'll just... So you've already surrendered, so it's irrelevant. What could it be? We now know. And so do they. And this is what we will flesh out more for you next hour. Why things are never going to be the same again after this. But we'll get more into that next hour. Aaron, bring that chart back up, please, from the New York Times. First of all, I, I was shocked they published this. What did Rush used to call this uh, accidental acts of journalism or something along those lines? This is a poll commissioned by the uh, or published by the New York Times from the Franklin Templeton and Gallup Economics of Recovery study. I mean, as the great prophets bred once saying, if a picture paints a thousand words, I mean, this, this is, there's like five shows in this, in this graphic that we could do. First of all, just the baseline numbers. How many of, how many of you, and this, is, this could very well be the most informed audience on COVID data in the United States of America, what I'm talking to right now. How many of you knew there was a 99 to 95% chance that if you tested positive for COVID, you were not going to be hospitalized. How many of you knew? As I recall, what was the original rationale? What was the original rationale for lockdowns and these mitigation efforts? What was it? Flattening the curve. In order to avoid overwhelming the... Hospitals. Hospital system. Huh. And yet, if you test positive, there's a... 99 to 95% chance you won't be hospitalized. And the original rationale for all of this was to avoid overwhelming the hospital system? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So that was a scam from the very beginning, basically. And why Sweden had to be memory hold. Yes, that's exactly right. So that's a lie, number one. I mean, we could do an entire show on that. That it's not just that they have long ago departed from that rationale. It's that that rationale in and of itself was a lie. That was a lie. That's not true. 
But then look at these numbers. 41% of people in this poll who identify as a Democrat believe that there's at least 50% odds if you get COVID, you will be hospitalized. At least 50%. Have you not driven by the hospital where you live in the last year? If 50% of the people who got COVID had to be hospitalized, where were... Did you see them burning the bodies? Did you see the mass graves? How could you even believe this? Have you no observational skills at all? Frankly, I'm insulted that 28% of Republicans and 35% of independents, oh yes, the glorious independents, those who are which I am one, but it's really a protest more than anything else. I'd love to be a Republican. They just hate me. So I'm an independent by uh, by abandonment. Self-defense. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The Republican Party social distances from me (laughs) and the likes of many of you. You're trying to flatten the curve. Yes. I don't view myself, I I didn't become an independent because I thought I was smarter than everybody else. It's just, it's because I'm dumber. It took me many years to figure out, wow, these people just friggin' hate my guts. So I don't know where to go. Right? I'm an independent for the same reason Richard Gere stood outside Louis Gossett Jr.'s window. I got nowhere else to go! All right? So, that's why I'm an independent. But a lot of independents, they, I mean, those are the smart people, right? Oh, I don't buy into I don't buy into any of the tribalism at all. We're you know, we just we're above everybody. We make our own They're free thinkers, yes, Steve. Yes, free thinkers making our own decisions. Over one third of you believe fifty percent or higher of COVID tests result in a hospitalization. Did you see them burning bodies? Digging mass graves at your hospital and your where you live? Anywhere? Well, we saw that in Italy. Maybe. I don't know what we see anymore. Do you know what we see? I, I don't. In Italy? Anywhere. Anywhere. I, I, I don't know. I know in Italy they're protesting to get their freedom back at yes. a clip that I'd like to see around here a little yeah. bit more. But I mean This is being this is being played out as a rebuke of our partisan media. Wrong. Wrong. This is not, hey, look how much power the media and sway it has. No. This is actually a victory for your education system. What this shows is that there's no critical thinking, meaning I have to show up in front of the screen as an adult, lobotomized. Otherwise, I would ask myself questions like, where are all the dead bodies at every Costco in America? Where are all the dead bodies at every Walmart in America? I live in Michigan. We have been masking via emergency order since October, and now we are the worst state in the union. And my governor's answer is, start masking toddlers. 
And I'm like, yeah, right? Yes. Oh, yes. All the way down my throat. Yeah, I'll just take it all the way down. Yes, that's my answer. That ain't, folks, (laughs) that ain't the media. That's the education system. That's the synapses just aren't firing. You're a ward of the state. You're, you're a sheeple. You can't critically think on any level at all. Well, hot damn. I mean, we didn't mask the, we ma- we masked the adults who actually leave the home with autonomy for six months and couldn't stop Michigan from being the capital of COVID stand. It must be that the, the thing in the stroller must need a mask. It must be the child confined to a playpen and a cradle and a swing to rock it to sleep. That, that must be the thing that needs mast. The thing that just can't jump in a car and be a COVID spreader whenever it wants. Clearly, that must be the key to unlock all of this. No. You have to be... What do you call it? Invincible ignorance? Yes. That's what we're talking about here. The media is capitalizing on this. They're not originating it. They're playing to a customer base. You came out of our school system without a brain. You can't think on any level at all. You can't ask any questions at all. You have no observational skills whatsoever. None. So we've got 15 days to, slow, to flatten the curve and 30 days to slow the spread in order to save the healthcare system. That's a lie. We've got how prone much of our population is to be lied to because in our education system, they are dumbed down and reduced to intellectual rubble so that you, because here's what happens when you critically think. If they let you critically think, then you just start driving by the hospital in your neighborhood and like, why can't... I go anywhere. Nobody was in the parking lot. Right? You say stuff like that. Right. But you're not conditioned to do that. You have been completely, as Daniel Patrick Moynihan used to define it, or used to call it, dumbed down. You have an invincible level of ignorance. It's not that you cannot think. You were made, you were created to. It's that you will not do it. It's not a question of capability. You don't give yourself permission to. It's a question of desire. Yes. It's a question of will. Mm-hmm. Another, here's another thing. Can you think of a tool somewhere that anybody has done that's readily available and affordable? Because I mean, I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of big names in conservative media sharing this chart the last twenty four hours, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, a lot of them never have bothered to call us and say, "Hey, you know, that's exactly why our audience needs to know about your book." Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? You know what? You know, it is. It's kind of weird, isn't it? A little weird. A little weird. A lot of a lot of big names, real big names in conservative media, bemoaning the results of how disinformation dumbs people down to believe lies about COVID's real threat. And lo and behold, I mean, by the way, hey, listen, sir, if you can write a better book than this and you got a better platform, by all means, do it yourself. Are they doing that, though? They are not. They are not. So who did that? We did. We did. We did. 
So, I don't know, you want to sit there and bemoan a lack of real information? Well, we kind of put that together for you. I mean, I just, I've seen a lot of big names in conservative media, whatever the hell that is. A lot of big names in conservative media bemoaning this chart and what it means. And yet, reach out to them. Hey, you know, we might have the antidote for it. Crickets. Although, hey, I did get a direct message from feminist psychologist Dr. Naomi Wolf about an hour ago telling me she would like to mention our book tonight when she appears on Fox News. So we got that. So we got we had we had Naomi Wolf on our side, but we can't get a lot of big names in our own industry who want to wring their hands. I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. Why am I still wearing a useless Chinese face diaper? Why and like and look at the lies of the media and the lies of Fauci and people believe all these lies. Weird. Weird. And it, it's a paperback for fifteen bucks. I make a dollar eighty five a book, folks. A dollar eighty five. That's what I make. Not getting rich off of this. Okay. Just, I don't know. This would seem to be kind of an antidote available to push back against some of these. I don't know of another one. Do you? Low hanging fruit, yeah. baby. I don't mean they could do their own. I don't see them rushing out to confront this. So maybe they're really not all that much concerned about it, I guess, in the end. Here's the reality, folks. We will do what we believe, or we will not be free to believe it much longer. Well, we've been talking about Rough Greens for quite a while now. It's uh, it's a supplement powder for your pet because, you know, we take so many supplements these days because a lot of the good stuff is stripped out of our food, those vitamins, minerals, nutrients, pre, probiotics, uh, omega oils, et cetera, et cetera, antioxidants. Those things are taken out of our food for mass consumption, distribution. Same thing has happened to probably any food you're buying at the store for your pet too. It arrived there dead as a doornail. So if you want to make sure your pet is getting the good stuff just like you are, that's where Rough Greens comes in. It's the powder that you sprinkle into your pet's food. Now, our dog Cap thinks this stuff tastes great, but maybe you're wondering, I don't know. I don't. What happens if my dog doesn't like it? Well, let's find out. How about we give you the bag for nothing? You pay for the shipping and the first 14-day jumpstart bag to see if your pet will take to it, likes it in the food that they already eat. Find out at no cost to you except the shipping. Get that 14-day jumpstart bag now for free. You just pay for the shipping. When you go to roughgreens.com, that's R-U-F-F, roughgreens.com, or give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. That's 833-ROUGH-DOG. Let's bring in our good friend, Bob Vanderplatz, from The Family Leader. Good to see you, brother. How are you? I'm very blessed. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So I texted you this morning a a, a column over at uh, Red State I thought was interesting. Did you take a look at it? I did. I read the whole thing. All right. And it... it, uh, it, I guess this was a banquet that took place over the weekend in Florida. A Lincoln dinner. Uh, the Lincoln dinner, thank you. And it was uh, who Trump elected to have sitting next to him at his table. And, um, I mean, there is there is a certain Trumpian uh, <laughs> notion to it, which I kind of chuckled at. I mean, who gets to sit to his right and who gets to sit to his left, right? And apparently Trump's version of the Sons of Thunder uh, are apparently... Um, Ron DeSantis and Mike Pompeo were the two individuals that he had sitting at his right and at his left. Now, it could just be as simple as 
those are the two biggest names that were at the event. You know, Trump, he wants to be surrounded by the biggest names. Could be that. Could be something else. So let's start with what you think, if anything, that symbolizes. What do you think? Well, I think it symbolizes that uh, Trump's still going to wield a great deal of power here. Um, uh, as you say, Sons of Thunder, which I, I think is a, you know, a, a good illustration. I think another one would be, you know, this is a version of The Apprentice. Uh, so I got Ron right. DeSantis on my left. I got Mike Pompeo on my right. And when Pompeo's getting his iced tea filled, guess what? I'm having a deep conversation with Ron DeSantis. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it could be that those are the two biggest names. I did not read who else was there. All I saw is that Marco Rubio could not be there for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's Trump going to do? Who knows? You know, because we've talked about that before. I, I believe it's becoming less and less likely that he will run in 2024. I agree with you. But I do believe he is going to relish the role of who can I get behind to make and be the kingmaker. I agree with you. It's less and less likely. Let me quantify for me specifically for our audience what that means. I mean, I, I would have said a month or two ago, I would have put it in the 90 percentile. Right now, I would say it's a 50-50 flip of, flip of a coin. That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. So I still think the odds are high that he will do it again. But I mean, if you're into speculative markets, that's a pretty precipitous decline. You're, you could get even money on that now. Well, with Trump, you're kind of 50-50 on about anything because well, you don't that, know. That's kind of the state, uh, the, right. the common state in general. You're and right. so yeah. he may just do it just to do it. Right. Um, but I, I do think what it tells is that uh, obviously he he and Mike Pompeo are really good friends. They're very close. I think it goes deeper than a friendship of just I like Mike. I think he really respects Mike and really respective the leadership Mike did as, as Secretary well, of State. Well, I mean, you're talking about one of the most influential positions in the executive branch, other than president, the most powerful positions, I would say, and, and we could debate where they rank, but to me would be Attorney General, Chief of Staff, and Secretary of State. Without right? question. So you're entrusting him to that position. And then also keep in mind, you're entrusting Mike Pompeo to that position after the disaster that was Rex Tillerson. So you cannot, as a president, afford another one. This one had, this one has to land and he not only landed, but I mean, he lasted till the very last day of the administration. And don't forget, it's no small thing that Jared Kushner, I believe also really respects Mike Pompeo. You take a look at all the things that happened in the Middle East with the Abraham Accords, moving the embassy to Jerusalem, all of that. That's got Pompeo's handprints all over it. And those were things that Jared Kushner was really pushing. On the other side, though, you take a look at DeSantis, and you know I've talked about this before. Uh, a demographic, a key state, all the, he brings so much to the table and executive experience that I'm sure Trump also sees him is probably the live round going forward into 2024. So his deep conversation with DeSantis might have just been, how serious are you? about running mm-hmm. in 2024 he may be trying to gauge his mm-hmm. his own you know, meaning it, this conversation could have gone the opposite of the way the picture looks sure because the picture makes it look like desantis is clearly having some de- conversation of depth with trump and the presumption of the red state piece is that it's him essentially gauging if trump's going to run how about your support if you don't you're thinking maybe the conversation might have also gone the other way sure and the other thing you need to remember is that mike pompeo is no longer secretary of state mike mm-hmm. Pompeo is no longer holding an official office and he's not running for re-election. You got Governor DeSantis, who's not only a potential top-tier candidate for 2024, 
but he's also the governor of a key state in Florida, and he's up for re-election. And he, yeah, he, a, he is the Donald Trump yeah. for the le- for the Democrats sure. of the 2022 election. And it's a state that he, that Trump happens to reside in right now. So I can see there's a lot of interest that he would have in talking to DeSantis for all those things. He's a he's a sitting governor. He's a key state. He's a potential 2024. He's up for re-election. And I happen to live in that state. There's a lot of things to talk to DeSantis about at that point. You can't. It's it's hard not to avoid thinking though that it almost seems as if stars are aligning for Ron DeSantis. I mean, when you when you have a situation like what 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 do you got from Bill Maher over the weekend, where I mean you have essentially Bill Maher. Saying fact, he's better than Cuomo. Yeah, fact checked his own sides. Media, hey, I, hey, I want, I don't want politics involved in medical decisions. Florida has done a dramatically better job with this than New York has. I mean that dude. I mean that earned media is incalculable. If you're a guy like Aranda, oh, there's no doubt. And the only thing that gives me cause for pause. It's kind of like I've been to this rodeo a few different times. Right. And there's always been the guy where the stars were aligned, the stars yes. were aligned. If you've done this for more than yeah. 10 minutes, you should have cause there, for pause. And yes. there is no doubt that DeSantis checks a ton of boxes. You mm-hmm. think he would just be an outstanding, outstanding candidate. And you're right. When you got Bill Maher saying uh, the guy in Florida did a whole lot better job protecting his elderly citizens than the guy in New York, that's a big deal. And that's why I'm not your PR agent, but I texted you. You should get on Bill Maher's show. I think it'd be a fascinating conversation. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I if if Ron DeSantis doesn't have Bill Maher in a re-election ad next year, I, to me that's a that, that's 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 a dereliction yeah. of duty, if you ask me. Now, now the other thing, maybe you guys know this and I don't, but Florida's always a toss-up state. DeSantis won that state by what forty thousand votes, very, something like that. Yes, very very slim margin. Yep. I have not heard of who is the top-tier Democrat candidate that's going to challenge him right now. Mm-hmm. Are the Democrats kind of going, I don't think we can beat DeSantis. And if that's the case, that gives him another leg up of, look at this, in a key state, they didn't put a real opponent against me. That's like Chuck Grassley Mm -hmm. running in Iowa. I mean, if he were to, I mean, Trump won the state last November by a little more than four points. The average margin of victory in Florida, I think the previous, I think it's 10 or 11 presidential elections was 2.5 points. Mm -hmm. So winning that state by four plus for Trump, I mean, I, I mean that's uh, you know almost seventy five percent more than the the average of the last uh, half a century, and that's the closest you think to a landslide in a state like Florida. If DeSantis were to win that reelection there by five or six points, that's a that's a pretty decisive win. A big decisive Florida. win. As a matter of fact, Steve, after you sent me that article and, and I had the opportunity to read it. And because we've been to this roadie before and I talked about a cause for pause, I did put out a tweet. And, and because there's no doubt Donald Trump is going to play exceptionally large in the 2024 cycle if he does not run. Well, if he runs, he's playing awfully large as well. That said, if Trump doesn't run, DeSantis, just like Scott Walker, just like Ted Cruz, just like Mitt Romney, Mike Huckabee, whoever it might be, they're going to have to go through this state and other states, eyeball to eyeball, handshake to handshake, question after question, getting vetted, and making sure that this sticks. And if DeSantis can make it stick here in Iowa, like, watch out. The one difference I see with him, because Todd and I have discussed the Walker 
comparison. And I mean, when I when I wrote Rules for Patriots in 2013, the publisher sent me back the initial draft of the manuscript and asked me if I was going to go ahead and just endorse Scott Walker now, because he was the, one of the very few positive examples I could point to, to utilizing these tactics. And then we see him come to Iowa and he's got you kind of a traditional, basically he's got the consultants who couldn't work for Jeb Bush. And he's running a really watered down campaign. Remember, he's driving around with, um, you know, reform and uh, uh, and 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 waste, fraud, and abuse was like. I mean, like every GOP cliche was painted on that campaign van or bus they had going around Iowa. And he just flamed out when we got to any issues of any existential import. And I think what we ended up finding out about Scott Walker uh, is that it just so happened that on this technocratic issue that he was really good at. Mm-hmm. That seemed to be where the fire was raging in his state. And that I think in hindsight, we kind of projected, well, wow, this guy's this good on this. Then he'll be this good on everything. And it was clear on everything else. He had not really applied that level of conviction. The difference with DeSantis here is he is facing a comprehensive slate of attacks and that he is warding off on a comprehensive slate of issues beyond a, a, a nuanced technocratic issue of do teacher unions and, and government sector unions get to, you know, use the government to fund their efforts, right? This is, I mean, he's he's facing off on uh, against the spirit of the age on virtually everything. So that doesn't mean he's an automatic to win, but if he failed... If he face-planted, I think Walker was out before we even got to Halloween, right? If he face-planted, I would be shocked. Well, there's no doubt. and I, But I think if, if Ron DeSantis or his people are watching this at all, I think they need to take a lesson from Scott Walker. Agree. Yeah. Because I think from Scott Walker, the big deal to me was is that we placed on him kind of an over-promise. This guy is just going to be, wow, this is the leader we need at this mm-hmm. time. And when he showed up, it was underdelivered and he was overly consulted and all the consultants tell them do this do that if you're DeSantis and you're DeSantis people right now uh, I would make sure you stay who you are when you're running for president as well and do not let the consultants try to make you into something that you should not be don't overplay your hand but definitely don't underplay your hand as well and I think you know what brought you to the dance you probably should stay with that because he has shown not only a versatility on a comprehensive slate of issues, but being able to take on the media in the right way and pointing out things to his people in Florida and across the country saying, you know, look, they're just trying to tear me down because they don't like, they see me as a live wire. So remain that live wire. He, the the specter of Trump is also helping DeSantis because he would be forced into being our state would have many more candidates going through it right now if trump had won so he's term limited we'd already you and i would be already already regularly speaking and hosting and talking to people already and it's very sporadic right now that would kind of force him if he's serious about 2024 to be more publicly committed which frankly could work against him getting reelected in 22 yep. well you're just going to turn around and run for president and not stay here and govern the state you know we're not here for your ambitions you know are you yep. going to be the governor of Florida or not now he gets to put he has a plausible excuse to put all of his energy into getting reelected and not have to kind of do this high wire act about whether I'm running for president or not that I think that works tremendously to his benefit too. So exactly it does. However, if if I'm a guy interested in running for president and I know DeSantis is basically locked 
in the sunshine state. Because if he starts venturing outside the sunshine sunshine state, he puts his own reelection in jeopardy. So he's there. I'm making sure that I show up. Matter of fact, our leadership summit, we we're not announcing it yet, but on July 16, we're going to have a couple of potentials uh, at the leadership summit. So you mean everybody else should still be trying to take advantage because of you know what happens being gone. Yeah. When, when you and Amy or Todd and Aaron and, and whoever else starts showing up at these events and goes, I really like him, what he said. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you start getting this little loyalty because I saw them earlier. Okay, So it's one of those things that if I'm not Ron DeSantis— I'm taking advantage of the time right now while he's running for re-election to get people to go, that's the person we should be looking at. All right, so we got about uh, a minute and a half here. Where's the reigning champion Ted Cruz at? Because we're still talking about a guy that has tremendously built his name ID. He's been very aggressive on... I don't know that he, I don't think he's been overly aggressive on COVID until recently when he's like, hand vaccinated, I'm not wearing a mask, but he's been really aggressive on critical race theory and other things our base cares a lot about. So where does he fit into this, do you think? Well, I think Ted Cruz is one that I definitely would not count out. I think for a lot of people, he'd be a safe bet. He's a known quantity, high name ID. So if all of a sudden somebody new that came to the dance isn't what you all thought they they were talked up to be, mm-hmm. all of a sudden Ted Cruz becomes a natural uh, number two here. And, and, and in the caucus and, cycle, sometimes yeah. being number two is yeah. the best place to be. And not, I'm not saying a number two like a number two tier candidate, but also my second choice. And if you're a second choice in the Iowa caucuses to a lot of people, typically you probably end up winning the Iowa caucuses hmm. uh, because a lot of people look at look to it that way. Would you quickly in about a minute? What would you be? Would you be advising Ted to be here in Iowa then more often? You know, I'm not so sure. I think Ted wants to still show that, you know what, I haven't been here a lot. And when I come, I want to make a splash. I want people to be wanting me to come back versus me wanting to come back. So I'd be setting the stage a little bit like, uh, you know, this leadership summit that Vanderplatz is having in, in 2021, let him have it. Uh, but when it gets to be around 2023, I want people going, where's Cruz? I want Cruz on that stage. So you think who needs to be here right now are first-timers, people that have not established themselves If I'm, if I'm Christy Noem, if I'm Nikki Haley, mm-hmm. if uh, now Mike Pompeo's been here, Mike Pence has been here. But I mean, those types, uh, Marco Rubio hasn't been here forever. You know, those kinds, I would say, I, I would find a reason to get here. Tom Cotton, Josh Hawley, there's several of them, you know, who want to, to make that splash. And if I'm looking at DeSantis is tied up here, I would make this my go-to right now. Not overly like, boy, I'm running for president. I don't care what's happening. But I would make sure I accept a speaking engagement to be seen on a big stage. Ten seconds. Yes or no answer. Do you think the the heart issue is going to hinder Pence running? I, I don't. I, I just really don't. I, matter of fact, if there's one thing that's going to go wrong with you today, let it be your heart because they know so much about it. Yeah, you'll be fine. Okay. Good to see you, brother. Thank you very much. You bet. God bless. Same to you. When we come back, part two. Last week, we shared with you the inconvenient truth about America. And next hour, we're going to share with you why there will be no going back from what we have uh, what we have allowed and determined to happen in the last year. We'll lay that all out for you when we return. Back 
with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd and Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Or like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Day Show. Or if you like the free speech uh, stuff, uh, you can get that at Parlor. Congratulations to Parlor. Going to be re-enlisted in the uh, the iTunes store. We'll talk about that in the overtime today at blazetv.com slash days. But if you're more uh, of the free speech kind of fan, go to Parlor Gab, MeWe. Look for Steve Dace there. If you like censored clips of the show, and why wouldn't you, uh, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And if you like uh, the full thing without any filters, go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. If you like the podcast, please leave us a five-star review. If you haven't already, click that subscribe button for us. And because the more of you that do that, the more our fragile male egos are satiated. Well, that too. But also, apparently, we're told, anyway, I don't know how it works, can't verify it for you. It's just, you know, like the unwritten rules of baseball, it just is, all right? Uh, that apparently the algorithms will like it, will like us more the more you show you like us too. So thank you to the thousands of you that have already indicated that you do dig the show and think we can finger roll. Thank you very much for all of that. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Freedom Project Academy. Please listen up. Uh, because here's what your kids are often being taught in the government schools. Like there's no difference between boys and girls. White people are all racist and therefore so is math. Uh, Supporting black lives matter and social justice is more important than reading and writing. And thanks to Joe Biden, teacher unions just got tens of billions in COVID cash to push all of this in your government school classroom. So uh, do you really want this for your kids? Do you have an alternative? Yes, you do. That's why you need to consider our friends at Freedom Project Academy. Because unlike public schools, FPA has perfected live online learning for more than a decade, built on Judeo-Christian values and a classical curriculum, meaning this is how the people that founded the country were taught. Freedom Project Academy is dedicated to providing mastery of subject matter, not dumbing you down with spirit of the age propaganda. So you can go to freedomforschool.com. That's freedomforschool.com. Request your free information packet today. Our son Noah did this for several years and enjoyed it. So, And I know the people that run this uh, place. So I would highly recommend it. There's a reason the average high school graduate is entering college reading at a 7th grade level. Don't let your kid be dumbed down like we were just talking about with the New York Times poll. All right? Go to freedomforschool.com and get your child a real education from Freedom Project Academy with freedomforschool.com. Time now for our Monday Town Hall, and this is going to be a TED Talk edition. We previously laid out the inconvenient truth about America, and now it is time for part two. Why, post-COVID, there is no going back. Now, we don't mean no going back from the COVID restrictions. In fact, in a lot of places around the country, other than the mask battle, A lot of these kinds of restrictions have been lifted. We mean something bigger, broader, which I want to lay out for you in detail here today. Number one, COVID has changed the world and the culture war. And and we, 
specifically those of us fighting to conserve America's Judeo-Christian heritage, we must change our tactical perspective accordingly. The rules of engagement have changed, and now we must respond in kind. There is this mantra, and maybe it would be more precise to call, uh, precise to call it a desperate hope. There's this mantra repeated often that what's happening here with COVID is just such an outlier. Often followed by an expressed desire to return to the state of the culture war before COVID. Unfortunately, we never will. While it may be unprecedented, it will not be an outlier. COVID is an omen. Pardon the pun. See, we have shown the spirit of the age too much weakness. We have shown it with COVID, what we never had really with any culture war issue before this. That if they force us all to personally, personally experience, meaning in our homes, everywhere we go. If they force us all to personally experience the consequences of a contrived crisis. And these are really just the spirit of the age's quests for more power and control. But if they make us feel it personally, we will dutifully comply. We all read to our children what happens when you give a mouse a cookie. So guess what happens when you give the spirit of the age this level of instant subservience? It will not be satiated with just this singular infusion of unconditional obedience via COVID. Oh, no, no. It will demand more and more on every front. Which is why the COVID playbook of this past year will be run back on virtually everything. 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 Moving forward. The CDC hinted at this recently by describing a lack of wokeness as a public health menace. Anthony Fauci now commenting on gun violence as a public health issue. We have shown that if they utter these magic words, public health crisis, we will assume the position for the spirit of the age on command. After all, you... You wouldn't want to be one of them science deniers, would you? You wouldn't want to kill, fill in whichever victim agitprop is being used at this moment, would you? Would you? Wouldn't want to be one of them people, would you? Everything will be made personal to you now. Everything. There will be no more abstract debates or out clauses like, you know, I don't approve that in my life, but who am I to tell someone else how to live? Uh, uh, uh. Those days are gone forever. You will fully participate in what the spirit of the age commands or you will be condemned and shunned. You will not be permitted to go anywhere or watch or do anything without being confronted with some demand that is personal to you or request or lecture from the spirit of the age. Just as it is marshalling all of its combined forces in D.C., Silicon Valley, Hollywood, and Wall Street with COVID now, this will be the playbook on all of its contrived crises moving forward. 
The previous rules of engagement, therefore, which permitted space for people of differing views to still mutually enjoy Americana, those are now erased because we showed what rules we will follow unconditionally. And a growing idolatry among our countrymen demands these rules be followed all the more, the more the evidence shows these rules actually don't work. You would think the more and more data that shows masks don't work, lockdowns didn't work, would humble people to say, well, it was the best we could think of at the time. We're sorry, we can't risk any more collateral damage. Now we've lost cancer screenings. We're sitting on a mental health apocalyptic cliff and so on and so forth. It was a mistake, but we did our best with what we had. No humility at all. No self-awareness at all. The opposite. It seems the more that the evidence shows that these things don't work, the more you are demanded to comply. This is exactly what the spirit of the age wants. The rise of Karen Stan. Because this will now pit us against each other. Rather than us against the spirit of the age. The spirit of the age, folks, is a jealous God. And it will not share its glory with another. All of us will choose this day whom we will serve. All will gaze upon the spirit of the age and marvel at it. Or you will be condemned to second-class citizenry or worse. Take the vaccine passport, bigot. Every culture in all of human history has either worshipped the true creator of the cosmos or idols. The more our culture rejects its creator, the more it turns to idolatry. And spirit of the age idolatry always turns a culture against itself as various sectarian tribalistic idolatries debate and divide over whose idol is more worthy of being idolized and worshipped. The spirit of the age wins either way in this scenario. Because unlike our creator, it doesn't unconditionally love us, but unconditionally hates us. It shows us fake displays of affection to draw us in by playing to our darkest fears and desires. But then, once we succumb to its temptations, the anti-human, anti-liberty, and anti-progress agenda comes forth. And that is happening now. Human monkey embryos, anyone? The spirit of the age claims to offer freedom, but it is peddling bondage instead. Which is proven by the fact you're not free to follow your own conscience once the spirit of the age has control. There is no freedom of dissent. There is only compliance with the consequences for not giving it. Folks, the days ahead will create a unique coalition of people opposed to this. Four weeks in a row... I could have given Bill Maher's end-of-show rant with very little variation. People who were previously opposed to each other because they had, they thought anyway, irreconcilable views of what words like freedom and liberty meant and how far they should go. 
But as it becomes more obvious, the spirit of the age plans to ban such ideals altogether. An alliance among those previously estranged will form, and I believe is forming now. The days ahead are no longer about right versus left, as we have previously known them. Or even nationalism versus globalism, as it is often described in some corners today. For example, the same Prime Minister Boris Johnson in the UK, who aligned with nationalistic fervor via Brexit, is now among the worst COVID tyrants in public office in all of the free world. Where is his nationalism now? No, now authoritarianism is nationalistic. You give up your way of life because you're a proud Briton. That's why. Because you're a distinguished Englishman. That's why you bow the knee now. The battle of our era, really now, is liberty versus tyranny, period. Were we created to be free on any level or not? That is it. That's the whole enchilada. As Christians, we understand where true freedom ultimately comes from, because it's our sinful state that causes us to impose tyranny upon others, that without new life in Christ, we cannot help but fall into some state of tyranny as a culture, some form of bully, despot, or villain as individuals. However, we are becoming aligned now with those who don't fully understand or accept that. Perhaps yet, maybe one day they will. I urge you, do not drive them away from the coming coalition. Now, that doesn't mean deny the word of God, but it does mean to model it. The reason God uses troubled and problematic people, wait for it, is because there are only troubled and problematic people. There are no other kind. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all troubled and problematic. Those willing to join with us for this fight, despite our past or present disagreements, they are, in my view, practicing courage and empathy. We should return it by loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. We once thought, as they do now, that we could do things such as life, truth, and justice on our own. Don't muzzle the ox while it is treading its grain. Don't refuse to take yes for an answer. This is time for critical thinkers of all persuasions to assemble and oppose the Thanos snapping of Western civilization because we are one click away from that now. Furthermore, COVID has unfortunately shown plenty of so-called red state public officials can get just as drunk on the tyranny and you're seeing even some so-called conservatives and libertarians now proclaim that they are fine with the tyranny too, provided it comes from corporate America instead of the state. The truth is, neither side of our long-simmering political debate and culture war can claim the high ground any longer when it comes to the evils of authoritarianism. The oligarchy of cultural elites transcends our past partisan fault lines. We are going to have to oppose big business just as much as big government now and vice versa. It's time to unite critical thinkers from the left who have a natural distrust of big business with critical thinkers on the right who harbor a natural distrust for big government. 
For the elites are in unity now. They are unified in their shared desire to rule us. Critical thinkers must now be unified in our shared conviction to defy them. For believers, as important as this new coalition is to forge, it is not and never will be more important than the gospel. For nothing is. When the moment comes and the time arrives to share the reasons for the hope that we have with our new unbelieving allies and friends, do so with the same courage and empathy they showed us by aligning with us. Seize the moment. Be a blessing to this coming coalition, not a hindrance. At the same time, we ultimately represent the gospel. But does that gospel not show us there can be unity in our diversity? If any tribe and any nation can confess Jesus is Lord, they can also defend their God-given rights such as life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What better evangelistic platform could we ask for than to bless and coalesce with those who willingly align with God's people to defend the liberty given by the God they either currently reject or don't yet know? However, At the same time, we may never bury our light under a blanket. We always make it known why we're in this fight uniquely, what our unique motivations are, because of where we believe true liberty ultimately comes from. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Because in the end, even if this coalition is successful, its success will be limited to holding back the Visigoths from coming over the wall for now. Ultimately, the end game is always the same. Revival or bust. Without another great awakening that gave birth to American freedom and liberty, American freedom and liberty will be lost to history. John 3.17 is how we end every show. It says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that through him the world may be saved. This is our time to show the life that is the light of men. We are not ashamed of what we believe, nor are we ashamed of those who don't yet share all of our beliefs, but join with us in opposing the evil of tyranny. Let those words soak in for a second. I'm going to turn to Todd and Aaron and get their thoughts, and we'll discuss it among us for the rest of the hour after I tell you about Omega XL. If you are struggling with inflammation, pain in the body, if it's an injury, now get medical treatment. But if you're struggling with pain and inflammation, Omega XL is what you're looking for because it attacks the inflammation that's causing your pain. If you use those pain relievers or topical rubs, they're great. I used them in the past too. But understand, they're just dealing with the symptoms. You need to tackle the inflammation causing those symptoms before it creates something more serious. And that's why Omega XL, backed by 35 years of clinical research, is the product that I use as well to attack mine. If you want to give it a shot, so it could be uh, stiff, aching, pain, stiffness in the joints, neck, knee, back, shoulder. For me, it's the left hip flexor, whatever it is for you. Right now over at Omega XL, you can buy one bottle and get a second bottle for free. So it's buy one, get one free right now when you go to OmegaXL.com slash Steve. That's OmegaXL.com slash Steve or call 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. 
All right, the floor is now open for discussion. Who would like to go first? Questions, comments, or insults? Go ahead, Aaron. Sorry, I was just uh, literally just in- inhaling, but we'll go with that. Um, there's never been a better day. Wake up every day telling yourself there's, there's never been a better day to defy the spirit of the age. We're, we're launching this new segment, and, and it's specifically targeted at, at COVID's flat earth restrictions. But really, defiance of the spirit of the age, which we have been describing in greater detail, comes in, in any number of forms. This may still be the front line, COVID, right now. Very quickly, though, it's going to, it's, it's going to go to uh, racialism. It might go to global warming again. Who knows? They try to tie those two to um, uh, they, they, really every single every single iconoclastic topic. They they tie together because they know this implicitly or explicitly too. It's all tri- tied together. Whatever whatever frontline battle that they're going to foist upon us next, it's it's never been a better day to defy. And so that that would be that would be my overall sentiment to you there's no back door at the alamo as you like to say steve there's one way one way forward uh the only way forward the only way through is through (laughs) there's no getting around the battle as has been um signaled to us those of us in what's left of america whether you're a believer or not it's been signaled to us that they're going to make this immensely personal and intimate are you ready? Are you prepared to rip off Todd? What are you prepared to do? Um, that's the battle is here. Uh, it's good to have the perspective that we had last week in in part one of these talks. Are you are you fully prepared to embrace that notion and what it would mean for your status quo, your personal status quo? Somebody, something every one of us has to answer. I did three radio shows this morning promoting Fauci and Bargain. And these are all in states that went to Biden, as it so happens. So I, my expectation was that there was buy-in for what we were talking about, but that it wouldn't already be up uh, to a 10 on you know, that this whole uh, coronavirus thing has been a scam on some level all along. And boy, howdy, on all three shows, they, on whether or not this COVID thing had totally been manipulated, they're all at a 10. And thus, I'd imagine their audience in those blue states is already there as well. So we spend most of our time talking about, the question was, but how did it happen and what do we do now? And you just heard the answer to that and versions I gave therein from Steve right now. We talked a lot about the final chapter of the book, uh, the cult of Fauci, the spirit of the age, and how that, that this COVID and Fauci are not particularly unique. You've been manipulated in this way for a long, long time time now and then that brings up point two what will we do now because they promise you 
especially once they figure after they figured out what they can do to you with COVID, they plan on doing it again. I found immense hope that I'd not expect to find in these conversations because there is a hunger out there to answer the call. I think eyes are opening to see and ears are opening it to hear. And they're just, everybody's looking around and rightly understands that is it, is it just me? It might just be me, or is there more of us? We're going to tell you, there's more, and the time is now. What I am suggesting is not new. Have you ever looked at the coalition of men who signed the Declaration of Independence? First of all, within, within the staunchly religious circle among them, there was great diversity of opinion. For example, if you were Catholic or Jewish, you couldn't hold office in the vast majority of these colonies. But lest those particular groups feel uniquely picked on, in a lot of these colonies, if you were not a member of the denomination that ran the colony or founded it, even if you were a fellow Protestant in good standing, neither could you. The first time the, the, the phrase separation of church and state has ever entered into the American lexicon, it, it, it's a reply from President Jefferson to a group of Baptists in Connecticut, I think it was, the Danbury Baptists who were writing a petition of protest because as they were not congregationalist, which I believe was the official domination, I think that was the official denomination of Connecticut. Therefore, they couldn't hold public office. They, they were denied some level of complete and full citizenship. And Jefferson's reply to them is, there is an, there's, an, there's an implication of a thin veil of a separation of church and state in the Constitution, but from the protection of the church versus the st- uh, vis-a-vis the state, not the state from the church. And he, he warned them, do not ask me to enter into this fracas and set a precedent. That while you may be satisfied with my answer for you today, you may be dissatisfied when the Pharaoh who knows not Joseph arises to use that precedent tomorrow, right? So they had difficulty putting their own coalition together. There's this notion that we are being taught today that these were just all a bunch of white slave owners walking in in, in unison. They were not. That's this, just not true. This is called the miracle at Philadelphia because yes. no one thought this was going to happen. So, so you had the religious circle and even within them, they are coming out of a post-Reformation world where... You had Protestants and Catholics painted the fields of Europe red. You had even within Protestantism, because of its unique uh, adherence and notions of individual autonomy, well, I don't like your denomination, so here's my new one. Well, I don't like that one, so here's mine. One colony was founded as a revolt against all of the Protestant denominations, Rhode Island. All right? So even within the religious community, it was herding cats. And then aside from the religious community, you had people that were very learned, but not particularly pious, like a Benjamin Franklin, for example. 
Or Thomas Jefferson would be another. Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Rush weren't going to the same church, folks. Then you had probably the closest thing the colonial world had to a Randian-style libertarian in a Thomas Paine. This was about as diverse a coalition of thought as the latter half of the 18th century in, in, in the West was capable of. You had plantation owners that owned slaves, and you had people that literally started abolitionist societies. Signing this document. Joining together. So, what I'm suggesting has been done before. Now, the process is going to look different. Because intellectually and ideologically, we are a different people in the first half of the 21st century than we were the latter half of the 18th century, right? Yes. So, it'll look different. We might wear white after Labor Day. We might have vertical and horizontal stripes. Who knows? Okay, it's going to look different, but fundamentally, this is the difference again between nostalgia and tradition. Nostalgia says it can't look any different. So you keep waiting around for that perfect moment when it all lines up. It never does. And the first time through, it didn't really line up as well as you thought. It just happened to work out. and We all got lucky or providence. Okay. Tradition says, all right, we can make this work in our time. If the fundamentals are right. And the fundamental we need more than anything else is critical thinking. I'll explain why in a moment. You know, whenever you're running a business, HR issues can kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, and hey, HR managers, salaries, they ain't cheap. Uh, on average, those are at least uh, 70000 a year. That's why if you are one of the small business owners right now that has been able to survive this last year, and you want to make sure you survive the next one, Bambi was created specifically for you. B-A-M, like BAM, and then B. BAM B, B A M B E E. You'll get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, maintain your compliance, all for just $99 a month. And the key phrase there is dedicated. Somebody that is dedicated to your specific business and policies, not just a voice uh, or, or some virtual presence on a Zoom call. All right. Uh, and with that, uh, you can not only save money. But you can change HR from one of your biggest liabilities to one of your biggest strengths. Your dedicated HR manager available, phone, email, real-time chat. From onboarding to terminations, they will customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day-to-day. And again, for just $99 and it's month-to-month. So you can cancel at any time, no hidden fees, no long-term contracts, $99 dedicated to you each month, month-to-month at your discretion. So Bambi.com uh, slash Steve right now to schedule your free HR audit. Go to Bambi.com slash Steve right now to get your free HR audit. See if this won't work for you and solve some of your problems as a small business owner at Bambi.com slash Steve. B-A-M-B-E-E. So we're discussing why we're never going back. 
because we've offered the the spirit of the age now a playbook. And any good enemy knows, any good opponent knows that if you have shown a weakness that can be exploited, they will keep exploiting it until it is no longer a weakness. So since the magic term now of public health is our dog whistle, the frequency that a once free people hear and then suddenly cease to acknowledge they're free, everything is going to be a public health situation now. Everything. Everything will be. Everything will be made personal to you. In Aaron's montage today, he pointed out the story out of Oregon. They're thinking of making this thing permanent. But did you read the fine print there? It's not that they literally are going to make you wear masks forever. It's just that, you know, well, you know, should we need to call upon these stipulations again? They're just always there. It's a sword of Damocles. To me, that's worse. Because if they said we're going to make you wear these things forever, you could rally against that. You could get some candidates, maybe a new gubernatorial candidate with a broad coalition of support and rally against and overturn that stipulation. But by leaving it in place, but it's maybe not always enforced. That's where we get lulled to sleep. That's where we're the frog in the boiling water. And then they just turn up the heat whenever they feel like. No, that's not how freedom and liberty works. That's how it's lost. Now, the difficulty of forging the coalition necessary to conquer this is, let's face it, we have some pretty substantial issue differences. The previous disagreements that existed in the past between a Bill Maher and myself are substantial and existential. Ultimately, we all must have some some plumb line, some measure of accountability for how far we take our freedom and liberty, right? But if we disagree with what that plumb line is and who that authority happens to be, that can that those differences can become irreconcilable. And for many years in this country, they have been. Yet we were still able to remain a country. We were still able to remain the last best hope for freedom east of Eden. An imperfect yet hopeful beacon to the world. What threatens us now, though, will not make that possible. Which is why, to me, there's a singular issue, and only one, that you forge this coalition around and could hold it together. Because on some of these things, we're going to have to agree to fire up the Fleetwood Mac and go your own way. I have communicated more 
privately with Naomi Wolf in the last month, then I actually have anybody I work with right now at the Blaze other than the two guys that work with me on air. I've, I've communicated more with Naomi Wolf in the last month than I have any of my fellow on-air personalities at the Blaze. And we actually like each other. So this isn't meant as a diss as much as the, this demonstrates how she sees the urgency of this moment. And she's right. She's making a courageous crossing of a picket line here to acknowledge, assist, and promote the likes of me. Because in the end, the issue that Naomi and I are aligned on really isn't COVID. I see her tweet things of vaccine, COVID vaccine skepticism. I see her tweet positive data about COVID vaccines. I saw her tweet Dr. Martin Koldorf of Harvard University. He's one of the experts that YouTube banned Ron DeSantis for, for talking with recently. She tweeted one of his columns today, urging people to ignore the terrible messaging of the likes of Anthony Fauci, take advantage of the vaccine program. He talked about the fact he was one of the individuals that set up the VAERS incident site for the CDC before COVID. Who does that sound like? Have I tweeted negative things about the vaccines when there's been negative news? Yeah. Like have I everything tweeted, else. Yeah. Have I tweeted when I've seen positive news? Have I tweeted that out? Sure. Yeah. See, there's one issue. The COVID's not the unifying issue here. COVID's the call to arms. But the real alignment here, am I permitted to critically think things through? Am I permitted to form my own, not follow, form. Forget following your conscience. Am I permitted to form one? Because we can disagree on what your conscience told you to follow, follow, follow through on, right? Yes. Naomi and I would disagree, for example, on whether your conscience should follow you through on terminating a pregnancy before it comes to completion, right? Yes. So we're probably not going to reconcile that anytime soon, I would imagine. So forget about whether I can follow my conscience. We're really now debating, can I form one? Am I unique in the cosmos as a human? With a soul, with empathy... With morality, with a desire to love and love others, am I unique in this ecosystem on this third rock from the sun, or am I not? That's really the debate. Am I a drone, or am I a human? Or is the great prophet... Bob Seeger once eloquently put it, I feel like a number. That's really the debate now. The likes of Bill Maher and I might have to be separated in a room once the conversation gets to where I can follow my conscience. Is that fair? It could be. Could be. How about we have a debate, though, can I form my own conscience? Am I a ward or a citizen? I may think you do not, under God, have as much autonomy as someone who rejects God's existence like Bill Maher does. But do I think you have some autonomy as a human? Of course. Of course I do. 
You advocated it yes. regularly. Now we're saying you do not. You cannot question. You cannot skepticize. You can't do any of these things that do not conform to one narrative passed through one sector of elites who control every avenue of thought. I don't care if it's the Christian church doing this to Galileo or with inquisitions, or it is the almighty state doing it now. That is a bad precedent in history. One of the beauties of Christianity is its encouragement of critical thinking. If you're Arminian or Catholic and you place a high view on free will, then you would note that God gives human beings ultimately the power to decide whether to follow him or not. Doesn't coerce them. If you are of a Calvinistic tradition, one of predestination, then you would still note that God even allows those outside the elect to achieve great things still makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust alike. Either way, right? Critical thinking is fundamental to the existence of Western civilization. And without it, there isn't one. That is the singular issue. Am I permitted to form my own conscience? Critical thinking is the issue. The other day I was on one of these Christian television stations or networks you find in the 300 range on your direct TV. And they asked me, what's the biggest issue facing the church today? And I said, the loss of critical thinking. Because it takes critical thinking for me to look in the mirror and say, I'm the sinner. I'm the problem. Who will save me from myself? It takes critical thinking for me to love my neighbor as I love myself. And it certainly takes critical thinking to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And it definitely takes critical thinking to no longer be conformed to the thoughts and patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we cannot critically think, we're doomed. Do you know why they martyred apostles? Because they just made a, they just made a better sanctimonious emotional plea than the pagans did. No. You know why they martyred people? Because they could not critically think them. They couldn't beat them in the arena of ideas. So then they had to just be eliminated. They couldn't be discredited. Do you think Paul was chased out of synagogues because he couldn't make the argument sufficiently that Christ was the Messiah? If he couldn't, they just would have left him there and laughed. They chased him out because he could. Without critical thinking, we're done here. Done.
dark ages is where we go without critical thinking. In other words, a pre-Western civilization world. That's where we go. So the singular debate of the age, am I permitted to form my own conscience? Am I free on any level at all? On my own, in my natural state, am I? Now, we're going to disagree with some of the people that agree with us on this, on how far we can take that freedom. And I hope, again, we can renew those debates. I hope, again, we have the luxury of those debates. Because right now, we don't. We have a spirit of the age with a gauntlet on its arm and its fingers poised to snap. And when it does, we're not coming back. We're gone. Or as Keanu Reeves once poignantly put it, all we are is dust in the wind, dude. That's the debate of the era. And if we don't now begin to do what we believe, we will not be free to believe this much longer. Gentlemen, any thoughts before we close this out? I'm really glad you brought up Thanos again because I just happened uh, turning on the TV at the very end of Captain Marvel was on last night. And Steve, when you talk about forming that conscience, that whole movie is about basically not letting her form her conscience. She's, she can't remember her past. There's like that restraining bolt thing on her so she doesn't understand her powers, where she's been, all of that. And at the end, when it's finally been realized and she at, uh, is uh, putting Jude Law in his place and puts him back on a ship and sends him back. And you say, you go back to that Supreme intelligence. You tell him I'm coming. You tell him I'm telling him everything and you tell him I'm putting a stop to it. That's what Steve is calling you to do. So say we all. If we were, if we were living at a different time in America, maybe even as soon as 30 or 40 years ago, as close as, as that is in the grand scheme of things, we would still be saying we cannot, we cannot we cannot um, uh, afford to do anything that would that would even resemble uh, breaking the Constitution. Guys, you don't come to Thanos with your different interpretation of Malthusian ethics. You don't come to Thanos with a different interpretation or a different philosophical framework. Thanos is on a mission. He will. Um, it's his destiny. He will do what he wants to do unless unless somehow he has stopped. It is mano imano. Mano imano. That's all this is. Realize what the stakes are. Realize who your enemy is and then act accordingly. Back at it again tomorrow. Back at it again tomorrow, noon to two Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.